talking about the true riches, and it comes from Luke 16, 11, where Jesus is saying, he says, Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, which means money, mammon is the God of money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So what we are saying to ourselves is that we want to steward our money wisely so that God can trust us with the true riches. And the true riches is kingdom of God. Everything that is under the reign of the king, he wants to give to us. He wants to resource our mission here on earth. But ultimately, it speaks of impact with people. Who of you want to be good stewards of the people that God has given you in your life so that one day you'll see them in heaven with you? So this is what we're going to do. And this is a promise. It's saying, hey, if you do this well, then you are showing to me that you can also be trusted with the true riches, the resources of heaven, impact with people. And then we talked about how to steward our money. And we said there are four aspects, and you need a plan for all four of them. You need a plan to save money. You need a plan on how to invest money. And investing includes investing in your skills, investing in education, in investing in your children's health, in your health. And one of the things that I started to do last year is I'm cycling from my home to work almost every day. And for me, this is an investment. So I'm cycling, so I'm investing into my health. I'm saving money because the petrol price is quite high. So think of creative ways on how you can save money. Because what will saving money help you with? It will help you to be a better steward of your money but also it will help you to give away more and more money. And then giving is also a part of, of uh, stewardship, and it's not the only thing. Sometimes when we think of the church and we think of stewardship of money, we think of the church is only asking for money. No, we need to disciple people to steward money in all f- four of these areas. And giving, yes, it is important. Because what does giving say? Giving says, money doesn't control me. It's not my God. You can say verbally, money is not my God. But if you cannot give money away, then money is actually your God. And then also, you need a plan on how to live. You're allowed to live with your money. I think God takes great pleasure when we live. We have a budget. We go and we plan for that trip to the Cricket World Cup, like James and and Jono did, and unfortunately they didn't pray too well there in the stadium. But you need a plan for, whether it's for your holiday with your kids, or going away somewhere, or maybe just that race that you want to do, but there is a plan that you need um, for living. So today I want to carry on with what we started last week, where we talked of Solomon. And we looked at why was Solomon this wealthy man? So 1 Kings 10, 23, 27, I'm going to read through this again, just to show to you how rich this man really was. So King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. He was reich. He was stinkreich. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. And I love that these two verses follow one another. The one talks of his riches, but then the second one talks of how people wanted an audience, not because of his riches, but because of his wisdom. 
because riches follows wisdom. Wisdom is actually the one that will generate wealth. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver and gold, robes, weapons, and spices, and horses and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. I love the fact that it's like cars. So he built a city for his cars, just to keep his cars. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and cedar, as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Then verse 14 and 15, each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of, of the land. So Solomon asked for wisdom. We see that he he had this encounter with the Lord in a dream and God says to him, hey, listen here, you can ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. And then he asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, the Lord said, I will also give you riches and honor. So last week we spoke of programming ourselves to, to direct our hearts to this posture that when God arrives in your dreams, and he asks you, what do you want? You're going to say, wisdom, before you can ask for anything. Before you ask for a new car, a new whatever, you ask for, for wisdom. And wisdom then ultimately allowed him to acquire wealth. So what is the definition of wisdom? What, what did Solomon get? And we're going to look at, at Proverbs, especially Proverbs 22. So you can go there now. But Proverbs is a book on wisdom, and it gives us a, a picture of how to apply the knowledge that we have. So when we talk of a definition of wisdom, and I read through a, a couple of people on what they say wisdom is, and, and so many books, so many dictionaries, so many different definitions, but most of them had the concept of insight, so you have insight, so you can see into something. It's not only that what meets the eye, but you actually have insight into what happens behind what you see. Experiential knowledge, so it speaks of actually experiencing life, and then because of experiencing life, you derive from that experience principles that you can apply that make you successful, and it included Problem solving, we would all say this, if somebody is wife, you'd be a good problem solver. And then it also speaks of ultimate truth. There's a layer of truth that we're not, all, that we're not always able to see, but we want to access. Why is this person behaving like he is behaving? Why is my business going into this direction? Why is the world and the politicians moving towards that? We want to access that layer of truth that we don't always see. And it ties in with insight. So the Oxford Dictionary speaks of a capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct. This ability to judge. Say, okay, this is right, this is wrong. But all of you know that there's so many gray areas in life. 
Okay, I know I need you now discipline my kid. He is misbehaving. He is speaking horribly to his brothers and sisters. And our rule is that if you speak in that way, you're going to get a hiding. But then you also know that he didn't sleep because he was at a sleepover last night. He only went to bed at two. So is this fair? Because you allowed him to sleep and you didn't train him how to discipline himself to go to bed early. So how do you do that? That's wisdom. We apply wisdom. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said, Wisdom is, I suppose, the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. It's a key. To know is not to be wise. Therefore, you get the most educated people and they still believe God doesn't exist. That's not wisdom. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. I love that. Do you know that the word homo sapien, which speaks of us as human beings, do you know what sapien means? It means wisdom. So when people in the beginning decide, okay, what do we call the human beings? They said, okay, let's add sapien. Because they're supposed to have wisdom. But often we find that people don't have, don't have wisdom. Okay, so this is a thing that Solomon then received and we can see that he applied it and therefore he was successful. Because wisdom will lead to success. And when we talk about success, we're not talking about 14 cars in your garage. That's not what success is. Success is if you have the ability or you are walking out this journey, this plan that God put out for you to walk. And this might be giving up some of your riches. This might be that you need to be terribly rich. It might be that you need to build this multinational company. But all of us individually have a purpose and God has called you to walk that purpose out in this life. But you need to acquire wisdom else you won't be able to do it. And we cannot judge another person and say, hey, look here, that person... That's what he has, and therefore he's successful, and that person doesn't have that, so he's not successful. No, God is the judge of that. But we can apply the principle. The principle is, if we acquire wisdom, and if we walk according to wisdom, then we will please God, and God will bless us. And that blessing comes in many, many forms. So then Solomon... Wisest guy that ever lived, very successful. He writes the book Proverbs, which is a collection of, of Proverbs, wise sayings that will help you through life. And I believe it's so powerful because the, the Proverbs, they, it, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. So most months have 31 days. So I love, if I don't know where to start doing one Bible study, I go to, okay, great. It is now uh, the 17th. I'm going to go and read Proverbs 17th. Because what I want to do, I want to internalize this wisdom so that when I get to that difficult situation where I need to judge rightly, that that will come to the fore. But the summary of Proverbs is found in Proverbs 9 verse 10. It's a summary of wisdom. It says, fear of the Lord 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you don't start with God, you cannot have wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So why would Solomon say that? He is the wisest man. He has been given wisdom. And this is what he says. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. If we don't fear God, then we cannot have wisdom. In other words, we cannot apply rightly the knowledge that we receive. And that's why Charles Spurgeon said, we all know the fools that know all, but they are still fools. Because we need to submit who we are, what we have, our wisdom to God. Now, recently, I... Peter, what's Jordan, sorry, Jordan Peterson was on and Piers Morgan and Piers Morgan asked him about, about his faith and, and then he made the statement. He said, one of the things that drives me towards doing the right thing is, and he's, he's, he's nervous about this, he doesn't really, he knows there's a God and he wants to believe in a God but he doesn't know exactly how it's going to play out, heaven and hell. He says, is this saying in the Old Testament, and he quotes this, he says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. He says, because of that fear of a God, a, a being, a supreme being, he's doing the right thing. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to apply his knowledge into the right direction. So fear of God is, is the beginning of, of wisdom. But what is the fear of God? Should it be, just be afraid of, of God and we shouldn't interact with Him? But a good example now, we, it's a builded example, Darren. So we're revamping a flat behind behind the house and uh, so my builder has a as a salesperson in builded and he phones this guy and he tells so now Darren said to this guy he needs to take good care of Amo because Amo can easily just take you on our way because that's probably so he has a there's a fear there's a if Darren handles Yana incorrectly and it's not the fear of Amo actually it's the fear of Cornell just so you know and some people say fear and love cannot exist, but then those people, they haven't been married. There's a, there's a good love-fear relationship going on. So now I'm standing next to the builder, and he's speaking to the salesman saying, Hey, listen here, you didn't deliver enough ISO boards, and now I'm not going to get paid, and this boss is really mad at me for not finishing the ceiling by the end of this week. And then apparently he went to Darren and said, hey, Darren, I feel so bad, man. I, sorry, man, I, I, I screwed up, and this is what's happening. And I said, listen, yeah, I'm so sorry. But this is, a, this is an example of what fear will do. Fear will keep you into what's really important. So sometimes I, I would, and, and this is in, in the driving force in Christianity is a love for God. So I know that my love for God will keep me. 
I'm doing this because I love God. I love my wife. I'm obedient to the word of God because I love God. But sometimes the love of God is not enough. Because then my flesh kicks in and I want to do things that I don't want to do. And then my desires are bended towards corruption and perversion. And then the fear of God catches me. It becomes the foundation. It becomes the beginning of me rightly judging. And many times I've experienced this. And for me, this is a great definition of the fear of God, is that where the love of God's not keeping you, the fear of God will catch you. So most of you know that when I was young, I struggled with pornography. And every now and then, that lustful thought that comes from the outside will pop into my mind. And often it's not the love of God or even the love of my wife or the love of you, your people that keeps me, but it's the fear of God. Because I understand the responsibility that I carry as a husband, as a pastor, as somebody that people look up to. So it's the fear of God that catches me. And I believe that is why Solomon is saying the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we don't have that in our lives, we will not rightly apply knowledge and insight then i also love to think of the fear of god as to hate what god hates and love what god loves so that's the beginning of beginning of wisdom so i want you to go to proverbs 22 we're just going to look at two Scriptures, because what we want to do is we want to invest in wisdom. To go after true riches, we want to invest in, in wisdom. So Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, In the Amplified, the reward of humility, that is having a realistic view of one's importance. I like that definition. And the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord is riches honor, and life. And the whole of Proverbs 22 is just filled with these nuggets into how to steward everything, especially also finances. Because if you apply wisdom, you'll receive riches and honor and life. But then how do you handle them? Because often we see people applying wisdom, they have success, but then the success corrupts them. There's a leader that said, it's not the burden of failure that will kill you. It's the burden of success that will kill you. And if, even in the business world, we see that. Do you guys still remember Kodak? Okay, they, they produced, and they were all over the place, film cameras. But then digital cameras arrived. And they didn't changed with the times. So they became complacent. It was the burden of success that eventually took them to complacency that made them unable to change. So we want to invest in humility then. We want to invest in the fear of the Lord. And then there's a promise also connected to that. And then the last verse in Proverbs 22, 29 
says this, Do you see a man skillful and experienced in his work? And this for me ties in with wisdom. He will stand in honor before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So it's talking about taking that wisdom. Because if you read through the whole of chapter 22, you'll see this is what Solomon is getting at. He's like, listen here, fear of God, this is what it means, wisdom. Hey, do not insult the poor because God's their maker. Hey, if you take advantage of the poor, I will deal with you. Hey, if you uh, commit yourself to the fear of the Lord, there's riches and honor. There's so much nuggets of how to do life and how to actually be successful. And then he ends off this chapter, and these chapters were only brought in last uh, after Solomon wrote it, but I feel it's such a important puzzle in this piece of wisdom that Solomon gives us. He says, do you see a man skillful and experienced in his work? He will stand in honor before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And what it is saying, it speaks of a man who invested in wisdom, one. So in other words, the fear of God is on this man. He knows who is his maker. He knows Who's the one that he will ultimately give account to? You can lie on your e-filing, but ultimately you're going to be held accountable before the Lord. You can lie to this person who doesn't know anything from the, in the expertise that you're speaking from, but one day God will keep you accountable to that. That's the fear of the God. And if you practice then that wisdom and you do it over and over and over and you spend your 10,000 hours and you become skillful in applying wisdom, then you will stand before kings. And what it's speaking of, it's speaking of influence. And by the way, in the church of Jesus Christ, we need influence because that will give us access to the politicians. It will give us access to the, the decision makers. Why? Because we want to see a godly influence in South Africa, but we are not skillful at what God has given us or our skill are not practiced every day. We are lazy and therefore we don't have that kind of influence. So we want to apply wisdom over and over and over and over. I like my kids. They would every now and then they would, they would tell me of something so clever they did. Like, so, they're so clever. They come, Papa, luister hier so. Kijk wat ek gedoen het. Amazing. And then the ne- very next moment, they do the unwisest thing ever. Yes, there's potential, but that's not wisdom. There's potential. So, so, if we want to invest in wisdom, and we are after the true riches. I, I look at the people in this church, I'm thinking, shucks, man, if we don't change the world, I don't know of any other place that will change the world, any other community. There's so much potential, so, much strong, so many strong leaders in this, in this church. But we, we need to get this right. Don't become complacent because you're living in the most beautiful area on the face of this planet. It's like Marika, the, the other morning, she or 
posted on social media a video of Lentley screaming, saying this, Mama, I will strand to go for school. She wants to go to the beach before school. I said to Marika, that's such a fine brag. Because we can go to school just before, we can go to the beach before school. There's no other, other part of the country that can do that. Except if you're living close to the beach like us. And we have the best mountains. Like, do not get complacent because of the area that you're living in. So, three things. James 1 verse 5 says that we should ask for wisdom. It's like Solomon. Ask for wisdom. It's a supernatural God-given thing that God wants to give to you. To go back to the definition, wisdom is a God-given and God-centered discernment and insight regarding the practical issues in life. You can get it from God. So ask Him on a daily basis, ask Him, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. How do I govern this family? Lord, how do I handle this issue? Ask Him. So it's number one. And also it speaks of our dependence on God. You cannot do this on your own. Keep on asking. It's not a once-off thing that you need to ask. Constantly before the Lord. Lord, I don't know how to be a good dad. I don't know how to be a a great grandfather. I don't know. Please, Lord, help me. How can I be the best friend? And then number two is cultivate the fear of God and humility. Ask yourself, oh, this white lie that you just told, is is this fear of God? Is the fear of God in your life? On all this shortcut that you're doing here in, in the books, is, is this the fear of God in your life? On all the way that you treated that person, do you have the same value that God has for that person? Do you see them in the same way? Because that's a big part of the fear of God is to see people in the same way that God sees them. Amor, are you in the way that you're telling the story, trying to portray somebody that you're actually not? To make people like you, to make people think that you're better than who you are. And then lastly, diligently practice wisdom. So you need to do it over and over and over. This is, number four should be repeat. Every single day. Ask. Grow in the fear of God and humility. Practice Practice wisdom. And I'm just going to finish off, band, you're going to come up with a couple of proverbs that reveals this going after wisdom diligently. Proverbs 13, 4, 4 says this, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied.